This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The concepts about what types of leadership work can vary from company to company, but it does sometimes depend at the type of company you're working at, what it sells, what services it provides. Still, with everyone connected via the Internet and our numerous devices, there are elements of leadership that are much different than really even just a few years ago. Rajiv Peshvaria is the CEO of iCliff Leadership and Governance Center in Malaysia. He is also a former chief learning officer at Coca-Cola and Morgan Stanley, as well as holding senior leadership positions at American Express, HSBC, and Goldman Sachs. And he has put together a very interesting book to look at leadership in this uh, time that we are living in. It is called Open Source Leadership, Reinventing Management, when there's no more business as usual. And Rajiv is going to be joining us here in just a second, getting a few bugs out of the phone system uh, to get him squared away. It is a really interesting book that you can pick up uh, online uh, or in bookstores uh, right now. And the fact that he has focused on the type of leadership that we need to have in this day and age, when you think about the fact as he brought up in, uh, in an article that he wrote recently, uh, the world's largest taxi company is a company that really doesn't have any employees and it doesn't own the cabs itself. Uh, so we are now joined by Rajiv uh, on the phone. Rajiv, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Dan. Thank you. Uh, so how in your mind has leadership changed in these last few years in this open source world we're living in? Well, you know, if you look at the way what technology has done in the last, just the last five to six years to the way we live at home and at work, two major things. One, ordinary people today are much more empowered than ever before because they, everybody has a supercomputer in their pocket. So, you know, I can join any debate I want to. I can, uh, you know, say whatever I want to. So ordinary people are really empowered. Leaders, on the other hand, are totally exposed to the extent of being naked. So that's like one aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing is that, you know, uh, the 21st century is, is facing both uh, amazing opportunities uh, as well as daunting challenges uh, uh, related to basic things like food, wa water, jobs and violence. So when it comes to leadership in the 21st century, in the open source era, just showing up to work and telling people what to do is not enough. Just creating shareholder returns is not enough. Leadership today has to be about a burning desire to create a better future and to not give up in the resistance that you're going to face when you try to do something different. So the employees have just as much, if not more, power than they've ever had before? Absolutely. We're talking with Rajiv Peshvaria, who is the author of the book, Open Source Leadership. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. In going through your book, I also saw a couple of articles that you have written recently, and I just mentioned as you were coming on, uh, one of the comments you had in one of them, noting the fact that, that probably the world's biggest taxi company is somebody that does not, a company that does not own their taxis, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the world's largest basically hotel chain uh, doesn't own the properties that, that, you know, that they are renting out. Uh, so, I mean, just from that perspective alone, you're talking about businesses that have, that are dynamically changing. I ask you that because do you think that that change, that shift is going to significantly continue in the years to come? 
Absolutely. It is just the tip of the iceberg. So two things that mark the open source era, one of which we are talking about right now is Uber connectivity. Everything and everyone is super connected. And that is why these new business models are emerging. Uh, and, uh, you know, old business models are obliterating at a rate faster than ever before. Uh, so this, what we are seeing now is, is, is just the tip of the iceberg. I think the next five to 10 years are going to be incredibly exciting in terms of, uh, you know, just take cancer, for example. Right now, you, you take a, a chemotherapy treatment or any other treatment, and along with the bad cells, the good cells are also killed. Very soon, there'll be bots running through your veins where only the good cells will be attacked. So uh, it's unimaginable, the stuff that is coming. So people have to be prepared for that. So these are changes that are happening in pretty much a majority of sectors right now. This is not just something that is, is really focused on a couple of areas. Absolutely not. I mean, and there are areas that will come up which we haven't even imagined yet uh, as uh, technology gets better. And the rate at which it's getting better is is amazingly fast. Where are some of the areas that, that you think are we're going to see these types of changes moving forward? Well, just about any just about any area. I mean, I mean, the, the, the people in their respective industries uh, will be able to say this better than I do, but there isn't any area that's not going to be disrupted. There is going to be no area that is going to remain the same because, uh, uh, you know, 24-7 connectivity is going to change the game for just about everything. The question is, are, uh, are large companies' management practices keeping pace, uh, and are they prepared for what's coming? That's the big problem that I talk about in the book. You also mentioned the relationship uh, around millennials, and uh, it feels like at times there has kind of been a tension between the leaders who may be in the baby boomer generation and millennials, you know, mm -hmm. not, not willing to truly accept what they can bring to the table. Is that shift changing as well, I mean, that, that millennials are, are providing more and more, partly because they're the largest part of the, of the workforce anyway? Correct. And, uh, you know, I think it doesn't help anybody to say millennials. When I hear things like, uh, oh, these millennials don't have the work ethics that our generation had. They had everything. They, have every, they want everything easy. They want it now just because they can have it. Um, so when people talk like that, I, I ask them, you know, do you use Google Maps or Waze when you drive from one city to the other? Right. And if they say yes, I say, well, why don't you keep an atlas in your uh, car? Uh, is it because it's easier? Is it because you can have it? So what's the difference between when millennials want something easier uh, and they can have it when you're doing the same thing? Um, secondly, you know, you look at college kids today. I don't remember our generation having the kind of pressure that current college kids are going through with their coursework, etc., so to say that they don't work hard, to say that they don't have the right work ethics, in my opinion, is 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 dead wrong, and it's not helpful. But I, I guess where where a lot of people just playing off of that last piece, it's not that the students uh, aren't working uh, hard; it, it's they see as whether or not, and this is something beyond just open source leadership, is that there are at times a mismatch of of what these students are learning in college and what they need to have to prepare them to be the next generation of leaders. You're absolutely right on that, because, you know, like we are in the fourth industrial revolution, and if you look at the other uh, previous uh, revolutions in history, uh, education takes a little bit of time to adjust to create uh, what is needed in terms of skills and attitudes, etc., for the next wave. Mm -hmm. And that's the period that we are going through now. Um, and no, we are not preparing them enough for the next generation, because nobody knows, because it's still unfolding as we speak, which is why, you know, learning agility is probably the biggest um, 
uh, uh, competency that's needed in the next 10 years. Rajiv Peshvaria is the author of the book Open Source Leadership, Reinventing Management Where When There's No More Business as Usual. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You also uh, discuss something called autocratic leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. What is that for the people that are listening to us right now? So, you know, if you go to any bookstore, uh, um, you know, at the airport or anywhere, or if you go to go online and look at any literature on leadership, you will find that chances are when it talks about leadership styles, uh, most literature, most books idealize the democratic, all-inclusive style of leadership. You must build consensus. You must love everybody. You must take everybody along with you um, and what have you. On the other hand, you have people like Steve Jobs, uh, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and if you go east, uh, you know, the former prime minister of Singapore, uh, these people were all autocrats, and they are the ones who rocked the history of the planet in recent years. Mm -hmm. So the question is, which one of them is true? Uh, All the books that idealize uh, democratic leadership or autocratic? So we asked uh, over 16,000 people in 28 countries uh, what's what's common between great leaders, and uh, we gave them a set of behaviors to choose from, half of which were autocratic, my way or the highway behaviors, the other half were, uh, uh, were democratic behaviors. And without exception, all 28 countries in our, in our global study agreed and overwhelmingly agreed that to create breakthrough innovation and success in today's high-speed world, uh, you need autocratic leadership. Huh. So that was the most surprising part of our research, that there was absolutely no uh, difference by country across the world in terms of people's agreement whether which of which of the two was needed. Which which is very interesting because I, I think, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like you would expect some deviation in that depending on the culture that you're talking about, but uh, there seemingly was not. It, it is a belief that autocratic leadership uh, is is a very important component. Absolutely, and we were surprised by that uh, by that lack of deviation that you just mentioned, but it, it, it's, it's what came back. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. Your comments are welcome. 844-942-7866. Rajiv Peshvaria is the author of the book Open Source Leadership. Your comments are welcome now. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. One of the things that we have talked about on this show is seemingly the move by some companies to have more uh, group uh, group innovation within companies. They want to, you know, bring groups together. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think that potentially means for leadership? And do you think that is something that will have a, you know, an extended life to it? I think so. I think group innovation, getting people together to to put their heads together to innovate, is 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 uh, what it will take because the world is getting way too complex for any one person to have all the answers. I also think that if a, uh, innovation, the speed of innovation and the frequency of innovation, is going to make a difference in terms of whether a company survives or not, and uh, besides just you know creating collaborative environments within the company for for group innovation. I think uh, companies are going to have to get better and better at crowdsourced innovation. Uh, you know, opening it up to billions of people uh, as, to, as to who has an idea as to solve this problem or to exploit that opportunity. So both group innovation within the company and crowdsourced innovation from outside the company are going to be uh, the way to go. Uh, 
So how do you think that this is going to change the structure of companies? And, I, and I'm wondering if you think that, that it, it will adjust how companies, you know, I mean, you have that traditional kind of corporate ladder that has been talked about for years. Will, will that shift as well? Well, some people are, are predicting the death of the corporation in the next 20 to 25 years. I don't go that far, right. uh, but there will be profound changes. Uh, you know, you will still have traditional R&D departments and research departments within organizations, and some of the work that they do will still be secretive. But a huge amount, I think, will also shift to the crowd, as it is already doing in many industries. Eight, so four, to that extent, it will have its bearing on organizational structures. Okay. 844-942-7866 is the number to join in. You also talk about leadership training. And uh, where do you stand on the state of leadership training, uh, at least here in the United States? Well, whether it's in the United States or anywhere in the world, uh, the problem with leadership training, and by some estimates, uh, it's as big as an $80 billion a year industry. The, the estimates range between 30 to $80 billion a year. But whatever the number is, it's really huge. Uh, the problem with leadership is we've been confusing followership with leadership for a long time. As parents, we love kids who listen to us and obey, and we sort of whack them into submission if they don't, right. and then we reward them. Right. In school and college, teachers, pets are the people who do exactly what they're told, and they're rewarded. Uh, in uh, in big companies, uh, my bonus, at least in part in many companies, depends on whether I get a good score on my employee engagement uh, survey, uh, which makes me a pleaser, not a leader. Uh, and then in the boardroom, when I present a great strategy, my board, the first question they ask is, where's the McKinsey report that says 10 best practice companies have already done it? So, you know, right from childhood all the way to the boardroom, we reward our followership with leadership. That's one problem. The other problem is we equate title and position with leadership. Uh, the president is automatically the leader of the country. The prime minister is automatically the leader of the country and the CEO, uh, the leader of the company. Right. Well, these ideas are not going to work in the 21st century. You have to read it as a burning desire to create a better future. And you've got to find inner energy, inner strength to keep going, uh, something that kept Nelson, Nelson Mandela going for 27 years. So it's about finding that energy, not about competencies, not about case studies, not about personality tests and what have you. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, so you expect that we will continue to see, and, and this has uh, been something that has uh, occurred to a degree in the last several years, that more and more companies are open to accepting innovative ideas from down the, the, the corporate ladder, from the lower rungs of, uh, of the corporation. Absolutely. Uh, many companies are already doing it. And I also think this has bearing on, on how uh, succession planning and future leaders are, are identified. I think, uh, you know, identifying a pool of high potentials and developing them with a special development diet, as was the case in the 20th century. Let me give you some psychometric tests and some assessments and et cetera, and then decide whether you're a high potential or not. And if you are, yeah. we're going to treat you special. Those days are over. I think today we have to open it up uh, to everybody to say who has a good idea, who wants to contribute in what way. Uh, submit your projects and then, uh, you know, make it no barrier to entry uh, and see where the innovation comes from. And the people that raise their hands every year and come up with great ideas and, and are able to back it up with their energy, they're your future leaders. So your innovation takes place uh, in an organic way and future leadership development takes place in an organic way. The cream rises to the top naturally. But part of that is also the fact that uh, we're in a time, at least here in the United States, not sure about uh, in other parts of the world, 
where HR departments are worried about losing people and the cost that it it, it incurs uh, to replace those employees. So, yeah. I mean, it, it behooves a lot of companies to, to be more open-minded almost str- uh, uh, strictly from the from the business end, sense of it from the uh, from the economic perspective of losing that employee and the cost to, associated with replacing that person you're absolutely right you know these high potential programs actually make everybody upset if i am already working 20 hours a day and you put me in a high potential program and say come on work on extra projects on your own time what makes you think I have the time? So I'm not happy being on that program. If I'm not a high potential, then I feel like I don't have a future left in this company. I better go elsewhere. So I'm unhappy too. Everybody ends up unhappy. But if you open source it, that whoever has an idea to add any value to the company, submit your project by such and such date, no barrier to entry, no compulsion to participate. Well, nobody gets left behind and innovation takes place and uh, at hardly any cost. And, uh, you know, the real leaders uh, spring up. 844-942-7866 if you'd like to join in. The book is Open Source Leadership. Rajiv Peshvarya is the author of it, CEO of iCliff Leadership and Governance Center in Malaysia, also a uh, longtime chief learning officer at Coca-Cola and Morgan Stanley. Your comments are welcome again at 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. So if, if you're talking about leadership over the next 10 years or so, uh, what are the greatest things that, that you expect you will see in terms of leaders and how they approach their jobs on a day-to-day basis and, and how it changes the corporate structure as well? Well, in terms of leadership, we were talking about auto- autocratic leadership before. So, you know, the, the biggest change that I see with the fact that leaders are totally exposed and naked and ordinary people really empowered the big dilemma is that, you know, our data says that you've got to be autocratic if you want to create quick and breakthrough success. Uh, the time for consensus is over. But because, the big question is, how can you be, even be autocratic even if you wanted to be in today's day and age when everybody is so empowered and somebody can destroy your reputation in just a matter of seconds? Right. That's the 21st century leadership dilemma. And I think the big change is going to be for leaders to understand what it means to live uh, sort of in the open source era, totally exposed and naked, and practice uh, what we call positive autocracy. You're going to have to earn the right to be autocratic by living the right values and by pursuing a worthy purpose at all times, that people will let you be autocratic. You're going to have to uh, you know, master the dance of what we call the dance of the naked autocrat, mm-hmm. which means... Be completely autocratic about your values and your purpose because you've thought through that very deliberately and slowly. At the same time, be completely compassionate and humble and respectful with people. So that's the dance of the naked autocrat. That's the second thing that I think needs to happen with leadership. They have to learn to do that. Third, provide freedom within a framework. Don't just box people up into rules, policies, and procedures because the world is working too fast these days. Mm -hmm. Instead, build a culture based on values. So, you know, if, if, if uh, United employees had acted according to values rather than procedures, they probably would not have dragged Dr. Dow off the airport in a bloodied state. So yeah. that's the idea of creating a culture based on values rather than rules, freedom within the framework. You've got to keep listening and learning and reflecting continuously. That's number four. Something, learning and reflection is something that has to become part of the DNA of leaders. And finally, the biggest part, if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, create a culture of innovation, you're going to have to create uh, a lot more forgiveness within the organization. 
Why forgiveness? Not because it liberates the soul. Yes, it does. But there's a business reason. If you want your company to innovate, you're going to want people to take risks and try new things. If they take, try new things, they're going to fail a lot. So do you not only forgive failure and celebrate it, if you do, you're going to get a lot of innovation. If you are a no-tolerance culture for mistakes and failure, uh, you can say goodbye to innovation in the open source era. There, there's also a piece to this uh, as well. I mean, not, not a, only just within the company itself, but in dealing with your customers or dealing with the public in general about mm-hmm. how companies are more open to listening to the consumer, maybe more yeah. so than ever before, either for ideas or dealing with uh, issues, whatever it might be. So there's a, there's a greater openness on that end as well. Absolutely. And that sort of, you know, it sounds uh, a little uh, contradicting that on the one hand, I'm saying you need to be autocratic. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you got to listen, learn and reflect continuously. Well, the 21st century leader is going to have to learn to balance uh, opposites much more than ever before. So that's just, you're absolutely right on that. You also take a little time in the book to talk about uh, the succession of leadership. And, and obviously we have, uh, we, we see on a fairly regular basis, changes made uh, high up the corporate ladder. What are the expectations you have of how leadership succession will be adapted because of this new open source era? Like I said, you know, um, uh, just like you, you, you need to crowdsource innovation from outside the company, you also need to crowdsource, uh, you know, uh, innovation and future leadership from within the company, as we were talking about. So imagine every year the CEO says, here's a challenge. Anybody that has any idea to add value to the company, uh, log your idea, submit your project by a certain date. No compulsion to enter, no barrier to entry. So what will happen is when you do that year after year, the people that raise their hands every year, and are the ones who are coming up with great ideas, are telling you that, look, I have enough energy to make this company an even greater company, and I'm telling you that I will never give up, and therefore I am a future leader in this company. So the whole idea of succession planning will become organic, open source, uh, and not artificial as it is right now. The idea of having a nine-box grid and plotting people on performance and potential and then giving the people in the right-hand corner, uh, top corner, a special development diet is over. That's not how succession will be done in the 21st century. Going back to the employees for a second, do you uh, do you expect, and there have been certain companies that in the last few years have shown uh, a little bit more leeway in terms of uh, employees being able to work from home when when needed. We have seen a couple of companies go that route, but then pull that back. Uh, how do you view that as a as a piece to the corporate structure moving forward? Will companies continue to kind of give that 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 uh, that measure of rope to their employees? I think they will. I think uh, you know any extreme is not good. You cannot sort of have every job working from home and people never interacting. Coming back to your earlier point, you need some group interaction for innovation to take place. Uh, So uh, either extreme is not good. You can't go to one side uh, totally or the other side totally. So I think what will emerge is a hybrid model where uh, using judgment, leaders uh, leaders will decide, you know. So the key is not whether you're working from home or not. The key is how much flexibility and freedom you give to your employees. And one thing is clear in the open source era. Uh, you know, by some estimates, 40% of the U.S. workforce is already uh, a free agent, like an Uber driver. Right. Uh, the kind of freedom that these people have, you cannot afford not to give a similar kind of freedom to the employees who are full-time employees. Now, whether that comes, uh, uh, you know, purely from working from home or from, in other ways, p- uh, leaders are going to have to invent ways in which they can give the freedom that is best suited in their environment. 
Rajiv, thank you very much for your time today. Greatly appreciate it. It's a fascinating book, and and, uh, it's a great read. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. You got it. Uh, Rajiv Peshvaria, uh, CEO of iCliff Leadership and Governance Center. Uh, The book is Open Source Leadership, uh, Reinventing Management When There's No More Business as Usual. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 